Thank you so much for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name's Sam Moses. I'm with my good friend, Matt Garber. And today we want to talk about negativity and toxicity and how that impacts your life and probably your music career, your relationships, and even your relationships with your pets. So Matt, do you want to get into it? I feel like I'm already neck deep in it, Sam. <laughs> Excellent. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm going to start this off by saying that uh, I am not naturally a happy-go-lucky positive person. Sam, you actually seem like you are always happy. I am, but I didn't used to be, which I've kind of talked about before. But yes, overall, everything is cotton candy <laughs> most days. <laughs> I would say that I am naturally a cynic. I've gotten screwed a lot in life, and I'm always like, I, I, don't, I don't always think the best of people. Like, yeah. my shit sniffer is always on 10. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if, like, you're trying to, like, one-up something, I'm going to sniff it out. And at least I'm going to try to. And, I mean, it could definitely hinder me from relationships and stuff like that and friendships. But it's like, I've been screwed too many times to want that to happen again. Yeah. Um, and so that's always that's always pretty... Like up. I'll also say, like with that, it's kind of fun to like, like if something bad happens, it's like it's not necessarily fun, but it's like you just kind of sometimes want to sit in that for a little bit. Yeah, and you just kind of want to (laughs) bitch or like complain or just find someone to whine to. And I felt like that was the best word, even though I didn't want to (laughs) swear. But it's like, and as therapeutic as it is. Like, at least for me, sometimes I just have to sit in my stuff and want to be mad. Yeah. Um, But it's like, that's not who, like, I want to be, and I know that. Yeah. Um, But you come to a point where you consciously have to get over that at some point. So you don't live in that, and so you don't essentially remain, as I said in the beginning, neck deep. Yeah. and you're just constantly upset and the world's against you and all that. Yeah. I've heard those stories tons of times. With that said, um, I'll say that you are what you surround yourself with. Absolutely. Um, if you surround yourself with negativity, you will be negative. If you surround yourself with positivity and positive thinking, you will be positive. There are certain situations where it's very difficult for me to surround myself with any type of positivity and if there is positivity, that positivity can positively go shove it. <laughs> and it's just like sometimes how I view things. Um, so like I said, I am normally more cynical. Um, I get stuck in analytics and, and whatnot. And, um, but as that translates into, say, like how I interact with customers and clients, I'm very passionate about what I do. So yeah. I make... A, I make an effort to be positive in that. And because if I'm passionate about it, then you should be positive about it and you should want it to grow and you should want it to thrive. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'll say about that. Excellent. So, so, and when you want something to grow and to thrive, you're not really talking something down about what you have. Right. Um, a little bit about me in general... I am a builder. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, I am a builder to the point to where I am a terrible maintainer. Um, <laughs> I'm actually very surprised that I've maintained the mastering business as well as I have. Yeah. And it could be because every project is literally another piece to like a puzzle. Yeah. Or every project is its own entity to a degree. Yeah. And it's its own it's its own thing and it's always new and it's always fascinating and it's pretty fantastic and I love it. Um, and I approach it positively. Um, and as Brad Blackwood said in one of our earlier episodes, and I, I've, I've taken this to heart because I've had some stuff come through before that's been like, oh man, this is like, this should probably go back for a remix. And it's like I kind of look at the mixes and it might say like, Mix V5, V7, be like, man, this has had a bunch of work to it. I don't know how much more they could mix out of it. <laughs> and so I actually put a thing on my mastering checklist that said, uh, have, has the band or artist approved these mixes? Mm-hmm. And if that is checked, yes, then it's like something Brad Blackwood said is you just have to remember at some point, you have to remember that what you are receiving has already been approved by the artist. Yeah. So whatever it sounds like. So even like stuff that might get you down about something, and it might not be a project that you want to work on, or won't, like you know from the beginning you probably won't be proud of something. Yeah. You can turn it away, but if you want the work, you just have to understand these mixes have already been approved. Right. And if it says like V7 or V8 next to it, there's not a lot of mixing that can happen after this point. Yeah. So... um so it's like there are ways to spin something so that you can work on something and whatnot. And like those are really the only parts about my job that ever get me down. And it's like, I'm going to make this sound as good as I can. Yeah. And I'm going to absolutely love doing it because this is like a puzzle to me. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I view mastering. And I love doing it. And I love the relationships I've formed. And it's like even like the little tiny things. Like tonight I'm going to a show with my good buddy uh, to see a, like a band that I mastered a couple years ago, they broke up and they reformed and formed like these other bands and they're all performing tonight. Yeah. And it's just like, I have it in my mind. I'm going to go buy this guy a $2 beer and it's going to mean the world to him. Right. And that's going to be awesome. And so it's just like, there are cool ways to spin what you're doing. Um, so I'm going to get into something about what really spawned this podcast yeah. on negativity and why it is so toxic. Um, <clears throat> that last story might have seemed like I drifted off a little bit, but it all comes it all comes full circle. Yeah. Um, there's a dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you can hear it on my end. Um, but anyway, um, I was invited to a conference in Charleston and I won't name the name of it, but it happens at the end of August, or early September in Charleston. And it's all about the, it's all about building the music scene here in Charleston. Or maybe people come from out of Charleston to come to see how they can build their own thing. And I was really optimistic about it. And I was like, yeah, how can we build this? And there were some panels that I was perhaps overly optimistic about um, and how they... I don't know, would be essentially transcribed. Like maybe there is like a secret chest of information that I've never known is out there mm-hmm. that I could uh, 
like reach into and there's this gem and it's 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 the whole plugin thing. It's like, oh yeah, shit, man, this plugin came out. This is gonna be <laughs> the best plugin. Right. This is gonna solve all my problems. And you put it on, you're like, well, that didn't do anything because I right. waste my money. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I got a free ticket this year. So uh all access, VIP pass. I'm like, cool. My badge looks cool. Um so I go into this and specifically uh, the one session that I was looking forward to the most was on how we can sustain the growing music scene in Charleston. It's yeah. like Charleston has this massive tech boom. Apparently, Charleston, which I didn't know until I like really read into this, uh, I think there's like 250 tech companies that have sprung here since the hmm. end of the recession. And it's called like you have like Silicon Valley. Well, I guess this is called Silicon Harbor. <laughs> didn't know that. Um, but it's like tons of like angel investor money and stuff like that is just being like flooded into the town. And I mean, good, good for everything here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, there's a lot of stuff that's like growing here and the city has been like number one place to live for like a disgusting amount of time. It's like, there's a lot of really nice places in the world. And it's at some point you're just like, man, these people must be getting lazy with their list. <laughs> um, but so I'm at this conference. We're trying to figure out what's the best way to sustain what we have because it's really cool. It's really innocent. It's kind of like, dare I say, like beautiful. Yeah. It is just very cool what is going on. It's very indie. Um, and it's like any label is an indie label. And yeah. nothing's really trying to, like, take over anything. If anything they're trying to do is they're trying to create another festival where they're trying to promote more local music and they're not really taking advantage of a lot and it's like like labels here are i had this like stupid idea uh, that i contacted my buddy who has a label i said hey how come nobody here does a christmas record mm. and, and before you turn off the podcast hear me out <laughs> and you might get an idea too christmas records are Pretty ingenious because if I say name a Christmas song, like think of a Christmas song right now that Jingle Bells. Or no. Or if, if I were to if I were to say how relevant is Mariah Carey in like eleven months out of the year? You'd say, I don't know, probably not really that relevant. How relevant is Mariah Carey in the month of December? It's the most stupid relevant. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like she's freaking immortal. Yep. And all I want for Christmas is you playing yep. in freaking Kmart and Walmart. Yeah. I mean, that's what's like, that's what's going on. And it, essentially, if you create a Christmas album, it makes you kind of immortal. And you're never going to lose money. And while you can't play those songs year round, and it's not like every other album that you put out and then you got to put out another album. Right. I'm not saying this is like a one-trick pony. This is something you bring back every freaking year. Yep. And you make money on it and you capitalize on it every year. You print, you do vinyl and all this other stuff. People will be, man, you do hats, you do stockings. You could merch the shit out of this. <laughs> it's a cool but it's like these are the little things that like you can do in this scene and be like, how come this isn't happening? Cool, let's put on a Christmas festival and this is how we're gonna do it. Yeah, those are cool ways. That, like it's cheesy as hell, but it's like a little way that you can sustain the music scene, right? Um, and it's like especially like there's not I don't know about you, Sam. There's not a lot of work around here late November, early December, just because everyone's kind of caught up in the holidays. Is Nashville busy or uh, pretty much? 
the rule is after Thanksgiving till New Year's, everybody shuts down. But that's what I've seen here. You have work. It's just a matter of planning it out. I had to learn that the hard way the first two years because I was like, oh, there's no music unless I plan it out. But yeah, the industry, <laughs> pretty much the labels, everybody goes on holiday and. You know, it's mainly because no one's touring unless you have a Christmas tour, you know, and that's mm-hmm. mainly CCM people. They do like Winter Jam and stuff like that. But no one's making new records, really. No one's touring. Everybody's taking time off until spring release push into summer. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty slow. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, I'm, I found that out last year and I'm trying to book out work and I have, uh, I already have a couple things in December. And so that's really cool. That will be coming out in the spring. Um, but yeah, there's nothing going on. So it's like, why not make it so that something happens? Mm-hmm. And like, there's stuff that people get excited about and you keep the buzz about the music industry going on. Yeah. Like, especially when it's like everyone's favorite band in town that now they have a Christmas album. Well, this label will probably end up doing like everybody on their label will participate or at least have the option to and a Christmas record so they can have a festival essentially celebrating all the artists on this label. Yeah. I mean, that's what everything's about in town. And that, to me, is sustaining the music industry through a slow time. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I went into all of this hoping, like, what's going to happen? And sitting on this board, and this is practically every board, was a college professor from the local college, uh a lawyer or somebody from the government who kind of does something and maybe three College of Charleston kids. And it's like, how do these people know anything about sustaining the music industry? It's like, this guy's a professor who teaches theory, which that's cool. And that could be a cool, like, outlier. But, like, why not have people who are, like, neck deep in the music industry actually telling you how to sustain what they are living in and their livelihood. Yeah. It's like the people on this board have absolutely, like, no give and take on, like, what, like, happens. in the Like, they graduate next year and they can move. And the whole time it was just like, oh, well, parking sucks and maybe we can work with Uber on this and maybe we can work with the city of Charleston on bus systems. Nobody rides buses. (laughs) It's just like... Like, oh, well, we can't can't do posters here, and we can't do that. And it was just, like, constant complaining and complaining. And I know I'm complaining about the complaining. Um, but what I wanted to come into this with is that whenever you're passionate about something and whenever you love something and whenever you want to see something grow and encourage it and to feed into it and grow and – I said grow once – and go to freaking Lowe's and buy some miracle Grow to make it grow some more. <laughs> and it's like, and none of this is about money. This is literally about building and, like, how to actually make sure that this wave never crests and that it just keeps on building. And yeah. it just keeps getting more exciting. And by the time it was, like, my turn to raise my hand to ask this panel a question, everything, like, oh, look, we're out of time. Uh, this guy looks pissed. We're out of time. <clears throat> so... I think that's kind of like my little rant. And I don't know if I ever want to go back to that thing again, but if I do, I'd love to see like a different panel on it. But mm-hmm. I've just I've just been so turned off to like the like the atmosphere in that place after these people are like 
this is everything that's wrong and there's nothing positive about it. Right. And it's like they're and they're like no one is no one is doing this right and no one's doing this and Charleston's right. out of the way for a lot of bigger acts and stuff like it's like Charleston's not out of the way. No place it's is like, out yeah, of the way. Yeah, you can you can go like from yeah, you can go from Charlotte to Atlanta pretty quick, but it's like or you can go from Charlotte to Charleston. You can go Charlotte to Myrtle Beach to Savannah. I guess Charleston. Yeah, Charleston's in the middle of that. To Jacksonville. To you want me to plan your next tour? If you're right. a big band, let me do it for you. <laughs> I'll show you how to include Charleston in it. But it's like it's all about people who like want to make something work. Right. And I guarantee you, it's a pretty darn big venue, and there's tons of people who want you to play in Charleston. Yeah. And there is, and <laughs> I remember. Like, I was so pissed off when I left this. I, like, I gave my wife a call, and I was like, you do understand, there has never been a better time to be alive. Right. Like, in the world. Yep. There's never been a better time to be alive. If you're listening to this in America, there's never been a better time to be in America. Right. There's never been, I mean, like, screw what the news says. Like, seriously, there has never yep. been a better time to be in America, like, making music, trying to do something on your own, trying to do something entrepreneurial. It's like even like outside of music. Yep. There has never been a better time to be more well-received by somebody who has no idea what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's like the cards have never been more stacked in your favor. Yep. The only thing you have to do is literally be passionate enough to chase it. Yeah. And everyone's going to say, oh, you can't do that, or your mom and dad's going to be like, like, oh, why are you wasting your time doing that? It's like, who cares? If it doesn't work, go get a boring job. Right. <laughs> but it's like you at least tried and you at least like were striving for it. If you're in a town that doesn't have a scene, literally contact bands that you're seeing that are going around your town yeah. and find a way to get them to come to your town and then find a way to like bring stuff to your town. It is possible. I lived in a town that was like that and we did that. And it just, it, it is what it is. You can make it happen. Yeah. So I am, yeah, I am just so against negativity in terms of something that you're passionate about. It's like, if you're passionate about it, then you need to completely just surround yourself in positive, in positivity. Yeah. And people speaking positivity into that community because it's, it's, it's like what Sam say, Sam and I say at the end of this podcast is that, if you have any negative feedback, that's awesome. We've had tons of people write back and say, you forgot to talk about this or I didn't like how you said about this. Yep. Sometimes we'll say, I'm sorry, this was just my opinion. Right. Other times, um, well, I can't get into this, but this is <laughs> we, we, got some, we got something so cool coming up. We're about to hit 20,000 downloads and we have something stupid cool coming up. V cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I just I, I just randomly reached out yesterday, and it's going to happen. And but essentially, it's a follow up episode to something that we didn't really touch on because Sam and I don't use it. And we've had enough people reach out, be like, you know, I really like this product. So we reached out to the company, and they're totally going to bring somebody on the show so that we can specifically talk about this product, so that we can engage as many people who use that product who felt left out of that episode. Yeah. It's like, why would you not, like, take advantage of this? It's, like, such a uh, – it's just such a cool thing. Right. So, 
you have any feedback, Sam? You're just like, Matt, shut up, or... No, dude, I love when you talk. Am I going, like, way off, like, topic? No, or? everything you said is great. That's why I didn't interrupt. <laughs> oh, you I can think, interrupt. I think everything you said was great. I mean, to me, the main thing, I think, a few takeaways, like, there's no return on investment on negativity. Like, there just isn't. It doesn't move you forward. Other than when we first start talking, to, sometimes it feels good to, like, vent. Um about the negativity, which has its place. It's therapeutic on some level. Mm-hmm. But eventually you have to get to a spot where you move past it, um, you know, and move forward with it. But I just feel like, you know, you say I'm so positive, and I've talked about it a little bit, but the only reason, like, I'm so positive is because I used to be such a negative person, and my outlook on everything was so negative, and I used to be one of those negative music people because um, for me, it was I wasn't willing to face the reality, which was I'm actually not hacking it in this industry on the level I wish I was. And I feel like I'm entitled to a career when in reality I hadn't put in the work yet. So, Mm. you know, for me, negativity was a, I found community within negativity, which, you know, this leads me to like... There's always. Yeah, like you can go on Facebook, almost every music group the most popular posts are usually the ones that are negative where someone's yeah. like, oh, this band screwed me over and then everybody's like, yeah, bands suck. Every band sucks. They're all bad. And you're like, dude, you need a band to even <laughs> do what you want to do. Like, shut up. <laughs> like, if any band sees this, like, goodbye. Like, yeah. you're, you're done and, you know, I'll take your work. And like, that's yeah. that's what I see online so much like with all the groups I'm... I don't interact a whole lot because my my time and energy is so limited these days or it's it's more priority. Like, I just kind of observe the uh, atmosphere of what's going on, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And that's usually, like, it's a negativity that's just always floating and fueling these forums where you could have, you know, there's one forum I belong to, like 15,000 people, and the conversations are always so negative and putting down each other or someone's bragging about something and immediately someone like cuts them down and is like, that artist sucks or that song is actually not very good or whatever. And you're like, jeepers, like, it's just this cutthroat industry, you know, and I feel like people do it because it's just, I don't know, the music industry is so interesting to me because it's like maybe the most insecure people are in it and then the people that really do it have kind of stumbled into it because of I've talked to a lot of people about this it's like you stumbled into music or studio stuff because you're maybe introverted and you socially aren't always the life of the party and you may like isolation over big groups type of stuff and so that creates um, I'll say a certain person and there's nothing wrong with being that person but there's a tendency within that to, um, I feel like, just wear your heart on your sleeve or your emotions on your sleeve. And this gets back to, like, the feedback episode we did of, like, when people critique music, you know, people take it so personally as if someone's attacking them as a human, but really they're just, you know, trying to get a mix revision. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you as a person. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, 
it's so easy to even see feedback as negative, see everything, almost everything in the industry, it's easy to see it negative because, um, because essentially we're, you know, the traditional view is like we're all competing against each other. So it's a really hard thing to have this balance of like, Matt, you and I are essentially traditionally on paper, you know, competition. Like you could put me out of business. I could put you out of business in theory. Now, I don't believe in that because I think we both do unique things and we both have desires to work with certain bands and do certain things in the industry. We're also outside of each other's genre that we particularly operate in. Right, exactly. But at the end of the day, you know, that's what I have people ask me. Honestly, they ask me about you, Matt, because they're like, why did you train or help another mastery engineer when that's like my thing? And it's like, I believe in abundance. Like, I believe there's plenty of work. I believe that what I do, no one can duplicate because the way I hear music and think it should sound, I honestly can't really teach that because that's just the way my ears work. Like, (laughs) I don't know how to, I can teach some fundamentals or approach and philosophy that helps. Um, But I've never had this fear about someone replacing me. Well, I guess I used to, but once I switched it and realized that, you know, what we all do individually is essentially our marketing, excuse me, voice crack, marketing, like trump card of like what I do, the way I hear music is actually why people work with me and the way I interact yeah. with people is why they work with me. And there's, you know, the way you work, Matt, and the way you hear music is why people work with you. And that's that's how you make a career and carve out a lane. And I just see all this negativity of, you know, even within town of like people are chasing other people's sounds or chasing other people's careers and they're so negative on themselves of like, oh man, I just, my music doesn't sound that good. And it's like, your music sounds like how it should sound. I just, yeah. like I had a conversation with a guy this week who produced, engineered, mixed, mastered his own album and he was like, can I talk to you for like five minutes about this album? And I was like, sure. And he was like, I want your you know, opinion on it since you're a master engineer and he's like, I like your work. And I listened to it and I was like, yeah, it sounds good. And he's like, it's good. He's like, I think it's good. And I'm like, well, that's all that matters. Like, <laughs> he likes it. He thinks the songs are cool. You know, sonically, Who is cares it what else thinks? Exactly. And that's why I told him, I was like, what do you want me? I literally, I was like, what do you want me to say? Like, you want me to judge the sonics of it based on how I would do it? I was like, I don't think that's helpful. Like, it doesn't matter. Like you like it, you think it represents you at this time and this stage as an artist and what you're trying to do and does it move you forward? Yes, you think it does. So put the stupid thing out. Like screw my opinion. Yeah. Like it really doesn't matter. Now if he I told him, you know, if you feel like there's sonically things you don't like about it that are making you not proud of it, then that's a different conversation. But yeah. I think that's just, you know, like within this negativity like it's really easy to be negative about yourself. It's really easy to be negative about the industry because the industry is always changing. It's always shifting. You know, the the culture in town is really, right now in Nashville, I feel like it's wrestling with, like, the good old days of, you know, tape and analog versus, you know, digital and home studio. And and it's always been changing. Like, it's it's what the world does. The world progresses one way. It expands one way. We don't go backwards usually for very long. And being negative 
is basically, to me, being negative is like drawing a line in the sand and being like, I'm not moving forward. And when you do that, you shrink as a human, your career will shrink, your relationships will shrink, and you're going to be left behind from the people who said, okay, this may be a sucky situation, but I'm willing to open myself up, expand and grow and learn from it, and then take that and apply it to my job, my relationships, even my relationship with my pet. I wanted to work that in there because I said it earlier. And, you know, it's it's your choice. Like, you can be a negative person, which I used to be negative. I used to think there was only a limited amount of things or finances or work. And I used to be really, you know, stressed about, like, if someone got a mastering gig and I didn't get it, then that means my, literally, I'd just be like, oh, career's over, that person sucks. And it's like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> like... That's just not a healthy place to be in to try and get work, A. And also, like, you have to have some self-confidence in yourself that what you offer and what comes to you and what you're seeking is is for you. And it's here to actually teach you things and grow you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of like we talked about work, like entitlement. You're entitled to working really hard. That's it. Like, nothing else. You're not entitled to people paying you money, making you a career, winning awards, becoming famous. None of that is entitled to you. And until you accept that, and until you basically have a positive outlook of, like, you know what, every day is a gift, and it's a blessing that I get to even try and do this, you know, you could be in a third-world country right now and, like, literally your main concern is like, am I going to survive today? Like that's the reality for a lot of the world. And I just feel like life, you know, the big shift for me was just realizing like, you know what? There's plenty to go around. Life is great. But it's a, it's a mindset shift. Like I have been training my mind for over three years now with like affirmations and, you know, writing out what I'm grateful for. And mm-hmm. just literally showing up to things with a whole different mindset of, this is a gift. How lucky am I to get to do this? If anything comes up that's like, makes me feel negative or pessimistic, you know, my, my brain now goes like, oh, how interesting. Like, what is there to learn here? Like, that mm-hmm. response has changed my whole life. And if I no would have started saying that 15, 20 years ago, like when I was a teenager when stuff, when, you know, I started to like care about, the world, I guess, <laughs> or something. If that would have been my approach to things that hit me over the last 15, 20 years, like I would have been so, I would have been way less stressed. I also probably would have been like learning so much, but you know, it's just the way it went. Like I was a negative person for a long time and eventually I realized that this just isn't working. Like being negative is not helping me get to where I want to go, even selfishly. Like, being negative doesn't help you make money. (laughs) And being negative doesn't help you build clients. No one wants to work with a negative person. And so, whenever I'm around those types of people or I see that going on online, I just, I peace out. Like, I don't have time for it. It's not worth it. Yeah, I don't have the energy for it. And I take that energy and time and I just dump it back into something positive, which is, you know, this podcast. You care about. Yeah, podcast, blog, playing with my dog, hanging out with my wife. Literally anything other than going down that negative spiral is way more beneficial, 
than to engage it. And I think that's the big thing is like, now I manage negativity and I don't engage it. And now I'm really proactive instead of reactive. And I think if you can view it as that way, everything's going to get better. Like your whole life will get better. Your work's going to get better. Your relationships are going to get better. And you're going to find that people want to be around a positive person. And this isn't like a, a woo-woo, like positive thinking is the way to go or like that'll solve all your issues. But positive thinking allows you, to me at least, positive thinking has allowed me to create space to do the work on myself and to my yeah. relationships to allow me to heal and grow and learn. And that to me is the power of positivity. The power of positivity is not, oh, I'm just happy when crappy things are happening. That's called denial. Like that doesn't get you anywhere. That just yeah. makes the, the wound deeper. Positivity to me is, is viewing it as a chance to learn and grow. And it, like I said, it creates that little bit of space to view everything in life as a chance to just freaking learn things. And if you're not enjoying the process of life and enjoying the process of work, like you're going to be negative. That's all there is to it. Everything's going to mm -hmm. be negative. You'll spend everything in your life from the time you wake up till you go to bed as negative as the world's against you as a why me situation. When in reality, like you should just be saying like, thank you. Like why me? Like that's the, <laughs> that's the way to approach yeah, it. Like seriously. why me? Like, why do I even get to breathe and have a chance to market myself like on Instagram? Yeah. Why do I even get the chance to be here and like have a house? Or like, why do I even get to be in Nashville and have the opportunity to hustle my ass off every day? Like, why me? Like, that is the flip of the script. And if you can do that, everything will change and you're going to just so see good. huge results. So, that to me is like, that all that little riff I just did, like that's what shifted everything for me. And, you know, it's to to have the choice to be positive or negative is a is a gift in itself. And I just stopped choosing negative a long time ago. Cause it just it doesn't work. And I think for anybody listening, if you feel like you're negative or pessimistic about where you're at in your career or city or music or you're listening to this and you're like, Yeah, but my town sucks or so and so sucks, like just just stop and ask yourself like how is this working for me is this yeah. is this working like is this doing anything and for most people the answer is like no you know what at the end of the day this isn't working and i'm actually really frustrated and i'm mm -hmm. frustrated at myself because i've probably i've not uh, fulfilled you know what i said i wanted to do i haven't made that move i haven't taken that step i haven't you know left town or le moved out of my parents house I haven't sucked it up and got the nine to five because I actually really need money to even support my dream of owning a studio. Like there's just so many people out there who at the end of the day, if they ask yourself, like, is this working for me? The answer is no. And if that answer is no, you're probably a negative person and you may not even realize it. So until you have that clarity or that conversation with yourself, you know, it's going to be hard and it's going to be a struggle, but you do have a choice to change and switch your mindset. And I want everybody listening to be encouraged that like you can do it and know like it's going to take time to retrain yourself, but you know, just implement one stinking thing a day, which is all I've done over the years is like, I wake up and I'm just like, wow, thank you that I'm alive. And for a long time when I did that, it was just the fake it till you make it. Like I'd wake up and be like, yeah, but today sucks. Like, like I don't have any work, so I guess I'm thankful to be alive. But there's something that happens, like, 
you start putting that out there, and all of a sudden it'll it'll trigger something else during the day where you're like, oh, you know what, that's kind of cool. And it's it's just mm-hmm. a reprogramming. You have a choice, and it's really easy just to get really negative in this industry, especially if you hang out online a lot. <laughs> so seriously. So well, I mean, are, that's where yeah. that's where all the like conversations are, and that's where like what people are looking for is they're kind of looking for like how people learn way back when, right? I mean, if there's not a studio near you or something like that, that you can get all down and it's like, well, I can't do an internship or right. I can't do this or I can't do that. And it's like, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to offer an internship, right? But it's like, totally hit me up on Instagram. We can talk about stuff, or I mean, you exactly. can come over. I'm not going to like master in front of you just because I don't do attended sessions. But right. it's like, I'll let you know what I do. It's like, and it's like you said earlier, people come to you for you, right? And as arrogant as it sounds, people come to me for me, right? They don't come to me for the gear because anyone can buy this gear. Right. But it's like back to what I said about like hitting someone, like one of us up on Instagram or email or something. I suck at email. Don't email me. (laughs) But (laughs) on Instagram or text, I'll get back pretty soon. But even last night, I was talking to a guy until, uh, what is it, like 1245 at night. He's in British Columbia and we were just talking about gear and like he was singing about doing this and doing this. And I was like, yeah, you can do that or you can do this. And... Like, this is my two cents. I imagine that's why you're talking to me. <laughs> but it's like, if you want that community, just reach out to somebody because chances are it just links right to their phone and right to them. So it's literally that easy. An interesting dichotomy, however, that I want to get into is the whole competitive nature of things and yeah. how that gets people down. And I don't know, that could just be regional, but. Something about art that I think people need to realize is there's never been a time in life where art is competitive. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can have, like, rap battles or something, but it's, like, in general, like, one album to another, are they really competing or is it, like, an actual, like, emotional expression? And I would at least side with the latter, at least for me. Help me understand that know. better. Explain that a little more. Well, you're saying that like there's a lot of com- there's a lot of competition in the music industry. Right, right, right. People are fighting over th- over jobs and yes. stuff like that. I mean, that's why I don't do a lot of stuff online. You go to like a mastering forum and you have like some Yoohoo who joins it and he's like, Hey man, I need a mastering engineer for my ten songs and I only want to pay this much. Yeah. And I shit you not, it's like taking a handful of fish food at the zoo and throwing it into the water. <laughs> right. And it's like a swarm. Or yes. it's like hitting a beehive. Yep. And it's like, it's kind of disgusting how many, how much like, like people whore themselves out over Absolutely. work. And like fighting over one another. And it's like, dude, it's just a job. Right. It's like, there, there's more. And... There's probably a more genuine interaction than the whole, like... Like, don't get me wrong. As for an artist, that's got to be flattering. Right. But, I mean, and, and, and I don't understand the whole, like, the whole competition of it because music in and of itself, in its most raw form, as art, is not competitive. Art right. cannot be competitive. Right. At least to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't... It's hard. Like, I've never gotten any work from any of those things. On like Facebook, even when people tag me, they're like, "Work with Sam, work with Sam, work with Sam, work with Sam." Like I've never, even me DMing someone, it's like, it's never gotten me anywhere. And I think mainly in those situations is because if you're an artist or someone, 
on Facebook asking for a service, you're probably not very far along in your own career because if you don't know anybody or you don't work with anybody currently, like that's the situation you go to, you know, where you're Mm. like, hey, is there anybody on here that produces? And you're like, what the heck? Like, have you ever Googled producer? And it's like a bajillion things come up. Like, of course people produce. Or they're in the music group asking in a producer's group, like, Hey, is anybody here who wants to produce for an artist? You're like, what are you thinking? There's 16,000 people here all in a producer's group. <laughs> like, yes, there's producers here. What do you think's going to happen? Yeah, like, pick who you want or, like, what is your point? And I think in those situations, what I found, it's always a budget thing. Like, yeah, I'll put out my rate, and they usually end up picking whoever's cheapest or whoever is usually free, yep. honestly, out of those groups where it's like someone's like, yeah, I'll just do it for free, and... Because I want to work, and it's like, you're not even working for... When you do things for free, you're not working. Like, that's not... I don't believe in that. But that's a whole other... That's another podcast episode. Uh, Working for free. You are worth more. Yeah, you are worth more. Right. (laughs) So... Two, three, four. That's... Yeah. But, yeah, I guess in those sorts of groups, like, the competition... It's interesting. I don't I don't know if art is competitive. I feel like I want to say yes, but art is so um, in its raw form. Yeah. I mean, just, you get out in the world and you have like people trying to make a better album than like Taylor Swift or yeah. John Mayer or somebody. Like, yeah, it gets out in the world and I understand the world makes it competitive. Right, yeah. But in the raw form of it as art, and it being produced and it being like created. Yeah. There's not real competition in yeah, there. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you get to mastering and it's like, oh, I want it to sound loud like such and such. And it's like, well, that's not really even a metric. Right. <laughs> but because it's like, your song's not at all like this person's song. Exactly. And your song is not as dynamic as this. So it probably shouldn't go as loud as this. Right. But I can do whatever you want. Yeah, it's interesting that you're saying that because it's making my brain think of like, even within genres, like I'm obviously, well, not obviously, I'm a rap nerd, but I'm thinking about like the top rap albums that I like this year. Like they're all so different to me. Even though like Mike Dean, who's like one of my favorite producers within rap, did like half the albums I like this year, they're all different. Like they're all so different. They are essentially competition, but the art themselves, the songs themselves are all sonically really different contents different and even compare is almost like a um a devaluation of what the artist was trying to put out i feel like Um, yeah and it's not competitive until it is in the field yeah because at that point it is competing and the world makes it compete i.e you have billboards and everything else and charts that are looked at daily or even more than a couple times a day or something like that to see what happens but I mean, in its raw form, in terms of creating the art, whenever it is being tracked or the songs are being written or anything, no one's thinking, like, this is going to be a better song than this or it's just going to be a trash album. Yeah. It's like, not unless you're, like, dumping everything you have into it. Right. Will it, like, will it work? Yeah. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. If I'm wrong, write in and yell at me. I mean, I think... I think on the high level, you know, A-list stars, artists, I think when people write, they're writing to beat out other songs. Like, I know that from a publishing standpoint and having co-written some stuff. Like, 
at the high level, you're going out to write with so-and-so artist or you're writing for so-and-so artist to hopefully beat out other writers. Um, so there's definitely a competition within that because that's how you make your, you know, your livelihood, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, I wish it wasn't that way, I guess. I wish, you know, even in town, like now that I'm thinking about all this, like people that pub deals, it's like, you're writing for this artist, but when I met you, all you wanted to do was write these types of songs. And like now you're not even doing what you really want to do, but this is the golden handcuff situation of like, you wrote a hit song for so-and-so, and now everybody thinks that's what you do, you know? And yeah. you've like stumbled into success. Well, I don't want to say stumbled into success, like super talented people, but it's like now you've been cornered as like the guy who does this type of song. And that's unfortunate because, you know, a lot, a lot of, it's really hard. I think this is maybe what I'm going to push back on myself with is like, you don't really know when you write a hit song, you know, like you just, you write songs and then the, like you're saying, like once it's out in the market, that determines if it's a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Like I don't. I guess art can be competitive and not competitive at the same time, or only competitive when it hits the market, like you said. I don't know. Then, like, my mind's like, then my mind's going down this like philosophical like toilet. Essentially, (laughs) like, is there any lack in like, like genuine nature? Yeah. If you're not actually creating your own art, yeah. And so, I mean, it's just it's just getting weird. We're really going off. I know, but it's all right. It's it's an interesting thought. I mean, if you're in the industry, you should think about all this because it will impact, to me, your career choices. It'll impact how you view people. It'll impact what you're after. And, you know, there's something in what we've just riffed on for the last 10 minutes that I think has value, even though we're not directly talking about negativity. Yeah, and Um, I'm not saying that this is going to be like, Holy crap, this is already a long episode, but <laughs> I, I wasn't this wasn't never really meant to be like the hour episode that it's going to end up being. That's all right. But uh like I was like, okay, we got a solid 45 minutes of content here. It doesn't need to be drug out, but I mean, I feel like what we've said really touches on Absolutely. like what needs to be said. Yeah. And it's like if you're passionate about what you're doing, but yet you're infusing negativity into that situation, there is nothing but toxic trash that comes out of that. Exactly. Like, there's nothing, like, out of, like, how much of a creative process as this is. Yeah. And it's, like, even, like, people do say mastering is, like, the last creative step. And it's, like, first in the first step in distribution. But it's, like, even if I approach something negatively, yeah, I'm not, like... I am not allowing myself to be creative right. with that. And that creative decision may literally be, this sounds perfect as it is. Right. Stamp of approval. Right. And that could be my creative decision. Um, but I, I feel like any ounce of negativity that you're just like fusing into this, it's just going to kind of ooze out of everywhere of yeah. whatever you're working on. And I mean, it's not going to help anybody. I mean, and even when, uh, I mean, we were talking about uh, the mentorship and everything earlier that I did with you. And I mean, a lot of what I needed to wrap my head around, there there was no real technique that I asked right. about. 
it was really just like, hey, how do I better handle my clients? Mm-hmm. And how do I like, like, how do I tighten up my customer experience? How do I, um, hey, I have a weird problem. Like, should I do this or this or this? But it wasn't any gear wise. Mm-mm. And I'm not saying that what I had sonically was any good. It was just, I felt like, yeah, I can grow in this. Right. But what I wanted from Sam is, I want to learn your positivity and I want to learn your outlook. And it's like, even if we're writing weird emails or like hard to write emails or something like that, uh, or if we get like a negative uh, review, I'll normally forward it to Sam and be like, hey man, this needs a little more diplomacy than I have. (laughs) Then I can offer it. And Sam will knock it out of the park. So if you give us a negative review, chances are it'll be rewritten from Sam because I'm not really the most diplomatic person and you'll probably never listen again. (laughs) But Sam's taken like some people like, you're absolutely wrong. Your podcast sucks. We've never gotten that. (laughs) Not not yet. (laughs) But he's taken that and he's turned it around and he's just been like, dude, thank you so much for listening. And I totally agree with you on X, Y, and Z. The reason why we said this is because of this, as you can see at this point in our podcast and whatever. What do you think about this? And it just like spins it around into something that dude's like super happy. <laughs> and it's like, oh, damn it, Sam, you're so good at this. <laughs> it's experience. It's just years of failing miserably at it. And then oh, man. realizing there's a better way to approach life, which is positivity. I mean, if you want to talk about like email responses, I used to butcher them. I used to not get work because of them. I used to use cl- lose clients because of it. Like, it eventually hit me of like, man, if I don't change something, like this is never gonna work. And for me, like, I don't know. I heard someone say a long time ago, not a long time. This has only been like three years ago. Someone was like, you know, whenever, whenever anyone says anything to you, negative critique, feedback, and you know, the response should be, is there any truth in this? You know, is what they're saying, is there any truth in that? And almost all the time, 100% of the time, I'll say there is a truth somewhere within the statement. Like, it may be all wrong, but they're bringing up something, you know, that I'm like, man, you know, if someone feels this way, there's probably a thousand other people that would feel that way. You know, because humans yeah. to me are I mean, not, that's why this podcast works. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like we're really that different at the end of the day as far as like core desires, wants, needs, and feelings. And I think that for me is what, you know, whenever we get an email or, you know, I get critiqued too sometimes on just my approach of what I put out there. People being like, this is dumb or you're not like, this isn't how it works. You know, the question is usually like, well, okay, cool. How, you know, how does it work? <laughs> then yeah. help me. Like, if you know how it works, tell me, you know, and usually there's there's no answer from them either. You know, they'll respond with something else. And then all of a sudden we're talking about something that, you know, they got disappointed about and they had a bad situation. And then I'm helping them, you know, see something, clarity. <clears throat> something interesting. So our little guy, uh, he's... He's 15 months, almost 16 months old. Wow. Um, For some reason, and I don't know why kids do this, that guy loves the crap out of Barney. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't get it. If you don't know who Barney is, Google Barney the Dinosaur, and you'll probably, like, be, like, pulling your hair out by 30 (laughs) seconds of something. Um, But it's something that most people who are mine and Sam's age grew up with when we were kids. 
And the one thing that I cannot stand, and I'll tell you why I cannot stand this. The one thing I cannot stand is when he says that, like, everyone is special. Yeah. And let me tell you why. There was a breakthrough that I had that, and it was, I I don't know when, high school, college, whatever. But the moment that you actually realize that you're not special and that everyone does think like you Mm -hmm. is when you start to find community. Yep. And when you can start expressing yourself to other people and when you can actually be like a real human to other people. That's awesome. I mean, I feel like a lot of people get sucked into BS depression because they're like, no one else feels like me. Absolutely. And everybody else has felt like you. The moment you stop thinking yourself as a special snowflake is the second people can start like speaking truth into your life because people can relate to you. Right. And that's the best thing about like going through a hard time is that someday you will be able to help somebody else. Absolutely. And you will be able to speak truth into their life. Yep. And the but the moment you realize that you're not really special. Yep. And that is fantastic. And that I yeah. think is life giving. Absolutely. And so like as soon as my kids start saying, but dad, I'm special. I'm like, no, you're not. Go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) You're not special. You're just like everybody else. And that's a blessing. Yeah. Um, It is. I don't know. I could could be completely wrong. If I'm wrong, once again, yell at us. No, I think think that's a huge thing. I mean, I remember going through counseling when I was, I'll say, depressed. Like, but I look at that and that was one of the first you know, sessions was I was said all these things and I thought, you know, this was unique to me of the way I was feeling and whatever. And my counselor was like, yeah, that sounds pretty normal. You're fine. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're, you're going to be fine. Like, you're fine. That seems like pretty normal stuff for the situations you've been in. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, he's like, I can help you. <laughs> this is what I do. <laughs> I, you know, it's like going... And that was one of the things. I went to school for this. Yeah, it was like one of the things where I was like, oh, these are professionals who do this all the time. They've been trained and, you know, they have things they can suggest that can help me move past, heal, accept, and grow. And like Mm -hmm. that to me was for some reason mind-blowing, but I think just because, you know, counseling and, and mental health has kind of such a stigma, it's changing, thankfully, but traditionally it's been viewed as weird and you know the isolation thing that comes from it it just you know hearing that was so comforting and immediately i was like oh i can breathe like this is mm. going to be fine and and that's interesting yeah and i think that is the big thing of like realizing i wasn't unique and i wasn't special was the best thing as mm. soon as he was like yeah he's like I've talked to like 30 people in the last few years that I work with or, you know, that he counsels. He's like, same situation. It's fine. And, you know, just hearing that was like, oh, wow, this big weight and burden is now gone off me. Because, yeah, now you can reach out to people who, yeah. like, you know, feel the same things. Right. And that and was... It's like, it's hard. It's hard in the situation you're in. Right. And it's like, whenever you're told as a parent, like... Or whenever you're told as a kid by your parent, if your parent ever says this, that like you'll or whatever, you'll never understand the love that a parent has for their child. And it's like I, I would think about that about my parents and I'd be like, What are you talking about? Yeah. But then it's like as a parent, I'm just like, Holy crap, like I love the shit out of this little guy. Right. And he just like pooped everywhere. <laughs> 
and his molars are coming in. So he's like trying to like rub the back of his teeth, yeah. but he's gagging himself and he's throwing up his dinner. And it's like, <laughs> ah, I love this guy. I know. And it's like, you'll, you'll never understand, but it's like, as soon as you like understand that you are like that and you, there's like all these commonalities between people yep. and people having the same emotion and the same expression and everything else. Yep. And it's kind of douchey to be like, yo, you're not special. Right. It's douchey to be like that. But as soon as you realize that and as soon as you like live it and be like, yo, this person's going through a breakup, they probably are experiencing some of the shit I'm going through because I just went through a breakup. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could do a community thing. Yep. Like at least talk or like, hey, you want to go grab coffee? How are you doing? Exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm going through the same thing. I said uh, in, a, in a previous podcast, I said there was a, a, a Christian pastor who I knew who was over in Africa, which is a predominantly uh, Muslim country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what the head of a mosque is called, whether it's an imam or whatever, but they got together. They were at a coffee shop, and I think they started talking. And then they both could speak English. And uh, they were just talking. And once they got past the whole religion thing or just put it aside, they're like, yeah, our congregation or whatever you call it is very similar. Yeah. And there are people going through marital issues here. And there's people going through, like, pain and suffering. And how can we, like, religions apart, how can we, like, breathe life into this situation to help these people, like, with their life? Yep. And it's just like... The commonality is like is mind blowing. So it's like I don't know. As soon as you realize that there's nothing really special about you over somebody else, yeah, you might just think differently. Yep. Don't get me wrong; there are totally stupid people out there. But yep. <laughs> like, as soon as you like realize that there's not a lot of differences, then I think you're good. Right. Yep. This is a long podcast, Sam. This was. Man, this is an hour. It's this fine. was supposed to be 45 minutes. It's all great. We're only 15 minutes over and like 30 minutes short of our normal, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we're good. I mean, I said everything I wanted to. I had a nice Me little uh, nice little riff going on. I've said riff three times this episode, so that's a new. It's good. <laughs> well, we have a quota now. You yeah. have to have at least three. I have to have three riffs per episode. Perfect. So, and if I ranted at the beginning, I'm sorry. I'm just like insanely passionate about if you want to see something grow, because I'm a builder. If you want to see something grow, you can't approach it from a sense of negativity or we can't do this because of this. We can't do this because of this. Right. Stop thinking that way. Yep. What can you do and how can you move forward? And it's like the whole thing that uh, you, you were talking about this a little bit earlier. It's like, about looking back and it's like there's nothing wrong about looking back and being nostalgic and everything else there's nothing wrong with that yeah but no one ever won a race by looking backwards right (laughs) and it's like you just keep just if nothing else just put your head down and practice your craft right if you don't have any work and just keep on working yep figure out something to do and just keep working it's like if you're sitting at home watching Netflix and like piss moaning and groaning about something. I mean, unless you're watching like Sound City or like some something about music or right. whatever you're passionate about, but always be investing in something about yourself. Yep. Always be learning. There's a uh when I when I was a pilot, there was a saying kind of gruesome. It was the moment you stop learning is the moment you start dying. Yeah. And it's like if you stop learning as a pilot, 
you're not training your mind and you could possibly get yourself into a situation that you could have prevented through training. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's, there's a, there's a military quote. I can't remember where I heard it, but essentially whenever you're under fire, you don't rise to the opportunity. You fall to the level of your training. Yeah. And so it's like, if you got a big project or something like that and you haven't been practicing and you haven't been preparing, you're not going to rise to the occasion. You're going to fall to the level that you have been training yourself at. Yeah. So, that's great. and that like, that to me has been like so great. Yep. It's like in August, I really wasn't taking a lot of work. Um, there was just a lot of craziness going on, traveling and everything. Um, and luckily everything kind of slowed down around that time. Then as soon as September hit, it was just inundation, Yeah. which I'm super thankful for. There's, there's no complaining there. Um, but it's like that first project is a little bit hairy because it's like haven't really done much right. in a month. So it's like and everything went really well. But just know you will never rise to your expectation. You will always fall to the level of your training. Yep. So that's great. Someone out there should write that down. Should. I like that. Don't quote me on it though. It's like the whole Michael Scott quote <laughs> when he was quoting Rain Gretzky yes. and then he quoted Michael it's Scott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. We should end, I love the office. End with that note right there. That's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think we nailed it at, yeah. you know, however long far over we are, an hour and four minutes, I think this is right now. Yep. So perfect. So Sam, anything else for the people in podcast land? Uh, I would say whatever you're having. Have a good one. Morning, afternoon, or night, whatever you're having, have a good one. Just remember, like, you are what you surround yourself with. And I highly recommend that be positivity. So, morning, afternoon, night, y'all take care of yourselves. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank Cue you. the music, Sam. Cue it.